Will you pray with me? Father, we are we are, th- we are thankful <clears throat> that we can gather here today and open up your word. And so we pray for a fresh word. We pray that you would open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to the truth that you have for us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> as, I, as I get started, I want to remind you that most of you or a lot of you throughout this week have been praying twice a day. What times were those? Seven and seven. And so today is the last day um, that it's officially going on. So if you haven't prayed, it would be something really powerful if as a church, not, not necessarily here, but wherever we find ourselves at seven tonight, if we could pray a special prayer that God would continue to rain down his spirit upon our church, its leaders, and all who serve in it. And so if you would join us in doing that, I think it would I think it'll be an amazing thing. I don't think that any of us like to go through difficult experiences. Right? We don't like to feel uncomfortable. We don't like to feel pain. We don't like to feel suffering whether it's emotional, physical or spiritual. We don't like to we don't like the rough places in life. From a very young age, We teach our children to do the best that they can to work hard, to stay out of trouble, to not do anything that's going to call attention on them. Because what we try to teach our children is if you do all of the right things, you will avoid a lot of these painful and difficult places in your life, right? Even as adults, we try to do the best that we can to stay away from the painful experiences in our lives. And yet, If I look back on my own life, what I find is that it was because of these difficult times that I have actually become who I am. So it is when we face trouble, trials, and tribulations, it is when we face the difficulty and the, or the difficult things of life that actually shape us. Now, I'm not saying that God makes us go through these experiences I'm not even saying that God sometimes leads us through these experiences. What I can say with certainty is that we face these experiences and we face them often, it seems. And so when it comes to these experiences in life, the difficult, the hard, the painful, the suffering, there's two options that we have. There's two postures we can take. The first one is a posture of being a learner. Now, if we take the posture of being a learner, what we do is we, we ask, what can I learn from these experiences? What life lessons are being taught to me through this uncomfortable situation? How can I grow as a person through this? Or, or what is God trying, or, or what can God show me as I go through this difficult place in my life? As humans, when we go through something difficult, It's our natural reaction, or it's our natural instinct to say, this is happening for a reason, right? We, we've heard, often heard people say that. And sometimes bad things happen because we live in a sinful world. There are some things that are self-inflicted, okay? There are things that we do that have natural consequences. We've learned that from the time we were young. And then there are other things 
like cancer or fatal illnesses sometimes that are beyond our control. But the first option that is presented to us when going through a difficult place is we can either be a learner or we take the posture of excuse maker. I I didn't really know how to put that together, but we can either choose to learn or we can choose to make excuses for why we find ourselves in this situation or we take pity on ourselves and ask other people to take pity on ourselves. But what happens when we make excuses or we look for easy ways out is that we sometimes miss the opportunity we have to learn, grow, and mature. Isn't that true? No one likes painful experiences. I have a friend um, that some time ago, they were going through a tough time, him and his wife. Um, and it was a financial thing, and as, as it is in the last several years. And he says, I have faith, and I know that, that things are going to get better, but my wife, she just she can't see beyond today. I heard a psychologist say that if you know that tomorrow will be better than today, it'll help you get through the difficulty of life. If you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever experience you're going through will be better. For me, when I've experienced a rough day, the thing that makes everything better is that I'm going to go home to my family. Now, you can ask my wife and my kids. We don't have the perfect marriage or the perfect parents. We don't have the perfect home. I don't think any of us do. But I know at the end of the day that that is what is meaningful. That is the light at the end of the tunnel. So we can be a learner or we can make excuses. Now, this, I think it was early. Yeah, it was this past year we had an experience like this in our family. So at La Sierra Academy where our kids go, you can request which teacher you want your child to go into. I didn't ask him if I could share the story, so I think it's safe. I usually ask her. But what happens is we, we get to request. And so Kim, she requested on time everything. This is the teacher that we want our child to be in. So when the class designations came out about a week or two before school started, um, we discovered that our eight-year-old, Gavin, was in the cl- he was placed in the class where she had the reputation of being the mean third-grade teacher. Now, I, I can't remember to third grade. I had a mean teacher, I think. I don't know, whatever, you know. I, my parents were tough on us, so that wasn't really an issue for me. But he was placed in the class with the mean teacher. Now, Kim and I found out about this, and we didn't really know how to break it to him. So our initial reaction was, that's fine. We pay a lot of money to this school. I know the principal. I work with the academy on some other stuff I do sometimes on Sundays. I said, so we'll, we'll just call him and we'll just have them switch. That's our initial reaction, right? If you're a parent, um, you, you know that sometimes your initial reaction isn't always the best reaction. But what Kim and I decided after talking about this and praying about this is what are we going to teach him if any time he faces a difficulty, mom and dad, or stepdad, mom and stepdad will call and fix it. That's not a good lesson, is it? For the kid, yeah. Hey, I'm experiencing this difficulty, fix it. And so we decided after thinking about this that we would, um, that she would take him unbeknownst to us to see the class designations and he would have to see it on his own, you know, because we didn't want to, you know, we wanted him to be able to see it because we realized 
that this would be a growing experience for him. Now, our eight-year-old is tough as nails. I've never known anybody tougher than that little kid. He gets hit, not by us, but when he's playing soccer. They re- he's the smallest one, but he wrestles with his 16-year-old sister. He doesn't back down from his 14-year-old brother when they're playing sports. He'll go down. He'll get hurt. He'll be bleeding, and he'll get up because he refuses to lose. There's one situation. I mean, this is how tough this kid is. He, he was taking Spanish lessons, and, and this is just so you get to know us a little bit. He was taking Spanish lessons, and he was the only one there. Usually there was a lot of his cousins there. And, and he was just, it was too much for him that he would be there alone. And he, he rem- I remember him telling me, I said, so what happened? Because I'm not, you know, I'm a little tough on him. He says, I went into the bathroom and I cried. And I said, and then what? He goes, then I went out there and did the lesson. It's tough. This kid's tough. He doesn't cry hardly ever. So we, he gets there, and I wasn't there that day. I was here at the church. Kim tells me he sees it, and he started kind of tearing up. And I told Kim, I said, look, it, that's normal. We have to remind him that he is a strong boy, that he needs not be afraid. We are here for him always if he needs us. He will be fine. There are many other kids that have had this teacher, and they are still alive, right? And, and, and still some humor. And we pray with him every night. For him, having this teacher was entering a dark valley of the unknown. He's fine now. He's been fine from the beginning. In fact, I I like this teacher a lot because she is a little tough. But she's sarcastic. She's not tough. They don't even get homework, a little bit of homework if they don't finish. She's a good teacher, and in fact, this is the teacher that she needed and that he needed, and I told him. I said, I know this is tough, but you are tougher than this. And what we've shown him is that through this difficult experience at a very young age, he knows that he can succeed and thrive and surpass and conquer his fears because he knows that we would never put him somewhere that would be dangerous to him think that for us, the Bible says that we are the children of God. And as human parents, we try to do the best that we can to prepare our children for the world. We try to prepare them to be successful and well-rounded individuals. And sometimes we allow our children to experience some pretty tough experiences, don't we? You see, sometimes we know that our kids are going to go through something a, a difficult or a dark valley because we see the choice they're about to make and we know. Now, when I first started being a step-parent, I tried, to, I tried to stop them before they made that decision. And it was causing my hair to grow whiter even faster. So what I realized is that's not good parenting. Let them make those choices, and then we learn from them. If I'm doing that, I believe God does that because he wants you to grow and mature and become the person that God is forging you to be. And sometimes, whether we like it or not, it is through these painful experiences that we grow and learn and mature. But as humans, we don't like these valley experiences because oftentimes they are too, or they feel like they are too much for us. And yet in Scripture, we find that that's sometimes true. If you have your Bible or if you want to read along with us, Psalm 23, 
says this. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The word for evil, oftentimes we think of the devil or of all the bad stuff that we see in the movies that is evil. But here the Hebrew word for evil is ra, which comes from the root word which means to spoil or to break into pieces. So essentially what it's saying is uh, this evil that is used in this text is, is to denote something that is unpleasant, disagreeable, and even offensive. So one way that I wrote this that we might be able to have a better understanding of this text, and I wanted to have it up here, it's even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear nothing that will cause me to spoil. I will fear nothing that threatens to break me in pieces. I will fear nothing unpleasant. I will fear nothing that is offensive. I will fear nothing that threatens to destroy me, for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear nothing, for God is with me. How many of you have experienced something that was really difficult or embarrassing or painful or whatever it was? And in the moment, it's just the worst possible thing. But in your mind, when you talk to your best friend or your wife, what do they say? Oh, you're going to laugh about this one day. We hate hearing that. But if we learn to approach life like this too will pass, it gives us strength to keep moving forward. Now, for, for, um, during this time in, in, in Bible history, a shepherd often carried two things with him, a rod and a staff. The rod was to, like a club, was to beat wild beasts away from eating their sheep. So it was a weapon. It was their, their, their kind of um, pepper spray, maybe. I don't know, or that stuff that male men or male women use when dogs attack them, right? It's that, it's that thing to keep the bad animals away. And the staff represented that that's how they used to guide them. So they would guide them with a staff. So when David writes this psalm, what he is saying, I have nothing to fear because God, A, you will protect me, and B, you will guide me. David understood that God was intimately, what's the, oh, just, just lost me, that God was not just interested, but he wanted to lead you and to protect you. That's what parents do, and God does it better I want to read with you the next text, if, if you'll follow along with me. Isaiah 40 says this, Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Now, the mountaintops, or the mountaintop experience, was where people thought God to be, right? So God is in heaven, so the top of the mountain is the closest place you can get to before you reach God. So a mountaintop experience was, was the place where, in essence, God was. That's where all the goodness is, at the top of the mountain. The opposite of that is that the valley is the opposite of where God is. The valley was a place of battle, wars. The valley was a place of darkness, so it was these opposites. The Old Testament writers always worked with opposites. If up is good, down must be bad. So when David says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, 
it was understood that those were those difficult and painful experiences. And yet, the, and the prophet Isaiah says, every valley will be lifted up and every mountain will be brought low. Everything will be plain, which was another way of saying everything will be the way it's supposed to be. One day, there will be no crying. There will be no pain. There will be no suffering. There will be no depression. There will be no anxiety. There will be no pain. One day, there won't be mountaintop experiences and valley experiences. One day, everything will just be the way God always wanted it to be. And so we go on to the next passage there in Isaiah. And this is God talking, okay? So this is a proclamation, what we just read. Everything will be perfect one day. And then God says this, To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? The heavens, right? God's like, who created all this? He who brings out their hosts and numbers them, stars, moon, planets, calling them all by name. Because he, God, is great in strength, mighty in power, and not one of them is missing. God is asking a rhetorical question. He asks you, who made all this? Now, I know this morning in our elders meeting, there was a discussion about uh, how the moon was formed and all kinds of stuff. It, it wasn't planned. It was spontaneous, but it was fun to listen to that. But the reality is, is if we think of, our, of planet Earth in size in respect to the entire known universe and beyond, what I saw one time in a video was that we are like a speck of dust. Our Earth is like a grain of sand in the midst of the entire universe. You know, when you begin to think about things like that, it makes a lot of things bearable, doesn't it? Because the God who is able to create that much can surely take care of a planet that is the size of a sand particle. <laughs> that brings comfort to me. Because sometimes what happens in our lives is that we get so focused on the thing that we're going through that not only does it bring more pain, more worry, but it, we miss out on all of the goodness that is around us. And so we focus so much on that negative thing that we're actually missing out on the gift that God has given us, which is the gift of life. And when we focus, when we focus and take pity on ourselves instead of learning from the situation, we are robbing ourselves of life. And David says, though you walk through the most difficult experience in your life, fear nothing. And so we continue in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse 28 and 31. God says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will, will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Though we walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. Though we face the insurmountable, the impossible, the painful, we shall fear no evil, for God gives strength to the powerless. He gives power to the faint. You see, when we read scripture like this, it makes us wonder why do we worry so much sometimes? Why do we focus on the difficult? Why do we always have to experience the bad? But what we find in this scripture is that, yeah, you're going to experience difficulty in your life. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to be unpleasant. But that is not the way God intends things to be always. And we can learn and grow for them so that the next time that we face a difficult moment, we have faith to go through it. And the more we grow in faith, the easier it is to face things. I have a friend of mine who is a much wiser, who has traveled fur- much further down the path of faith than I have. And every time I've talked to him about something that's come up, his answer is, I'm not worried. God's in control. God will take care of this. I'm not worried. And anytime there's some sort of a problem, he'll say, it'll get fixed. Or there's a difficult decision to make, he'll say, it has to be made. And I'm looking at this guy like, and this is not a guy who's had an easy life. And this is not a man who everything's been given to him. This is a man who's had to work for everything, who's had to struggle through things. And for him, it's just, it's going to work out. Don't worry. <laughs> or he'll say, I've gone through worse. So I'm just like, okay, that doesn't help, but thanks. So it gets worse, right? That's my reaction. And for him, he's just like, don't even worry about it. Because he knows that that will pass and we will be strengthened. Got a couple more slides I want to share with you. Second Corinthians says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, these were disciples who were literally being stoned and eventually killed because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus to a world that wasn't ready for it. And so they say, though we are afflicted, God comforts us. And the God of comfort will comfort you in your difficulty. But not only are you to be comforted and only want to be comforted, he says, but with the comfort that God has given you, you too are to comfort others that are going through difficulty. You see, God's blessing is a blessing and a command is he gives you comfort. And then he says, now that you've experienced this, go and comfort others. See, God doesn't just give and say, do what you want. I believe what I find in the scripture is that God gives to us. So out of the overflow of this comfort, we can help others. We are to always be a blessing to others or we try to always be a blessing to others. 
And it's not always easy, and it's sometimes very difficult, but we understand that God comforts us. I have one more slide, and then I have a little short thing to read to you. But in Ecclesiastes, one of the most confusing books in the entire Bible, I think even more confusing than the book of Revelation because it almost seems to like go back and forth on how it feels about things. But here's one passage. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Even those who live many years should rejoice in all of them. Yet let them remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. There will be days of darkness. There will be dark valley experiences in all of our lives. This passage reminds us that when things are good, man, rejoice. Don't take it for granted. Don't disconnect from God on the good days. Enjoy them. It's a gift. But there will be dark days, and that's just the way it is. And so you grow, and you are strengthened, and you learn from those moments. For though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need not fear anything for God is there to protect us and to guide us. Now, I have something to read here. Uh, I came across this, I believe it was just it was yesterday. I was just reading through um, the ESPN website. And as always, I came across something um, about Tim Tebow. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about him. I am not. Okay, uh, uh, two months ago, I said, will, where will he lead the Broncos? Is it 100% certain that he will lead them to the Super Bowl? Or will he fail? And the analogy was, we can trust God to always lead us to the very best. Tim Tebow, we're not so sure, and he led them to the playoffs. All I'm saying is, they weren't supposed to win last week, and they won. They're not supposed to win tonight, so I'm hoping. But here's why I like Tim Tebow. It's not because he's a Bronco. It's not because he's a competitor and because he never gives up. It's not because he's built like a linebacker but plays quarterback. It's not because he gets fired up. It's not because he's a Christian. It's because of what he does off the field. What he does before games, every single game, whether it's home or away, what he does is he will fly someone out that's either really sick, that's dying, that has some kind of ailment, whatever it is. He'll fly him and or her and their family out, put them up in nice hotels. This is his money. Put them up in nice hotels, get them nice food, get them car, to, car service, um, gets them 30-yard line um, tickets, like right as close as you can get. And before the game, while all the other players have their headphones on and are getting psyched up and, you know, they're not talking. They, they say that a lot, of, a lot of these players, they won't talk to anybody, won't, you know, you're just trying to focus. He'll go and spend some time with his guests before a big game, before last week's game. And he goes and plays. And after he talks to the press, which is mandatory, when everybody else is upset if they lose or happy if they win or celebrating, he'll go into whatever room that they have set for these people, and he'll spend time, even up to an hour, with them. I think it was one of the games that they lost really badly in, and, and they said in this article, they, they say he comes in and he says, well, that didn't go the way it was planned. And he just moves on. But I want to read to you what one of these, one of these guests that he had said. Um, th this is a man who has one lung. It's a big, really bad disease I can't pronounce. This is, what it's, this is what this man says. It was the best day of my life. It was a bright star 
among very gloomy and difficult days. Tim Tebow gave me the greatest gift I could ever imagine. He gave me the strength for the future. I know that I can face any obstacle placed in front of me. Tim taught me to never give up because at the end of the day, today might seem bleak, but it cannot rain forever, and tomorrow is a new day with new promises. I don't care if this man doesn't play second string for the rest of his life. This is the character that is built, probably because he's faced a lot of difficult days in his life. Turn on the television. Everybody's always talking bad about this guy. He can't play. He can't this. But for him, he says, that's just a bonus. Getting to play for a living is a bonus. I'm here to do good. So when he does the Tebow, right, and that's when you take a one-knee prayer stance, and when he points to the heavens, and when he thanks Jesus Christ at his press conferences, I used to cringe at that when people would do that. Now I said, hey, give glory to God for every home run, for every touchdown, for every sack, for every long run. Who cares? Let's give glory to God. Because it's either that, that they point to God, or they point to themselves. And people will often say, does God really care? I think so. I think any time we point to God for all the good things, I think that brings honor and glory to God. People may not want to see that, but I believe that it brings honor and glory. So when we face difficult moments in our lives, we can seek vengeance, we can seek pity, we can seek whatever it is that is negative, or we can seek to learn and to grow and to allow God that through the difficult experience, whether he led us there or not, that God can shape us as through the fire. Because the Bible says that God is creating a good work in each one of us, and sometimes God will use these experiences to shape and form your character and persevere. And though today may seem bleak, Tomorrow's a new day. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your word. But more than that, God, we are thankful of the promises that you have made through it. And we are thankful for Psalm 23. Because that is our siren call in a world of so much uncertainty. Lord, we put our faith in you. We put our faith through the darkness that you will guide and protect us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.